0: I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every fucking time. Better word is good. OnlyFans.
1: Whoops. Whoop
0: whoop. OnlyFans. Sounds like a macro sale. Summer's coming. OnlyFans. (laughs) Let's look at what's taken off during this pandemic Zoom calls, Microsoft Teams, Banana Bread, Peloton. Pineapple Only beer. Only fans. Pineapple <laughs> beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pineapple beer. Have you tried it? Have you made it? No.
2: I, I can't say that I have, no.
0: Okay. Do you do drugs? Only recreationally. There we go. Good man. Now, let's talk about Onlyfans. Fans. We're getting stuck straight into it. Straight in. That's what she said.
1: Oh, God.
0: Woo! Vince McMahon, man shop michaels how are you boys doing we're here all good in the hood episode five Whoop. put some pants on because we got a good topic off for today <laughs> so you can take right. the
2: pants off later
0: so you can take the pants off later get those tips in just the tip Woo-hoo. <laughs> how does the company go from being a fucking cooking show uh, tutorials workout videos to getting hundred and twenty million daily users, seven billion creators, becoming a juggernaut for adult content. Let's rewind. Let's take it back from the big league, Sean Michaels. How did OnlyFans start out in twenty sixteen?
1: It was content create. It was content creation, but it was it was for hobbies, man. Like if you were you were cooking, like if you I don't know if you could juggle. You could do some cool trick and wait you, what kind of juggling hey wait, hey hey <laughs> yeah, ask hey you, whoa no, no,
0: you juggling so, balls out here whoa
1: but that's the thing it started off and, and it was initially a a family owned and managed business and it started off being a a platform to allow hobbyists to monetize their hobbies very similar to you know what cameo is today or Potentially twitches for gaming. It was very much for hobbies, not at all adult content
0: Well adult content can be one hell of a hobby. We know that Vince (laughs) McMahon. I'm gonna check your browser history boy I want to see whether you out there looking at uh, Property rentals Agent tries to convince you to buy that house. Fake taxi, step-sister, (laughs) step-brother (laughs) BBW, BBC Let's see what, what, what you've been in this game, Vince. You've seen the internet evolve from porn videos to even more porn videos over the to years. To virtual reality porn you videos. To VR porn videos. To you becoming the porn video yourself. You've been there. You've done it. You've seen it all, Vince. Tell yeah. us. How did this explode? Is this a perfect catalyst? a pandemic, people working from home. Unemployment at an all-time high, stress levels are up, stress levels are up, access to technology, this pent-up demand, pent-up demand. (laughs) Tell us, (laughs) what are the ingredients to making this explode?
2: (laughs) Uh, You you know, I, I actually think that Tinder did a good job of laying the groundwork for this over the course of many, many years. And, uh, and Sean, you spoke to this briefly on a previous episode, the commodification of, you know, like human relations, just swipe left, swipe right. It's just so so cheap and so easy. Um, you know, I think that the signs were always there. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, this is unfortunately true for all the engineers out there. Porn built the web. I'm sorry that you had to find out this way, but porn actually built the web. Um, a huge amount of transaction volume in the early days was porn. A huge amount of bandwidth was taken up by porn. Um, you know, as technology has gotten better, so has the pornographic uses of the technology. Didn't somebody go? They were going to do a porn shoot in space at one point. I think Pornhub was literally going to send up a rocket. Uh, you know, in more porn- ways Pornhub than have one.
1: Pornhub have been known for sending up rockets.
0: Well, listen, <laughs> we don't even need to shoot Paul in space. They've already been sending fucking dicks up there. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, shout out, boy. I see you. Yeah,
2: but this, you know you got all of this and it's just over the years it's, be, it's become easier to access this stuff it's become one-to-many broadcasting it's completely destroyed intimacy um and just you know technology gets better now you you, you upgrade from jpegs to 5g suddenly you're looking at the stuff live on your phone um it's not i don't think it's something we were prepared for if we're honest but then pandemic hits makes it way worse you're sitting at home you you are probably having trouble in your relationship. Shout out divorce stats from the last episode. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and, you, and you need a, a break, a release. This becomes the easiest possible thing. So huge demand builds up. And I think with, with OnlyFans, the moment people figure out that, hey, they can sell nudes on this app and people will pay crazy money for it, the market just takes off.
1: But, but that's the other, But Vince, you're touching on a fantastic point. The demand side. What about the supply side? one of the incredible things that only fans did was it democratized the ability to create this kind of content suddenly now the hot girl that you met at shimmy beach club three years ago you can now for the low cost of five dollars you can see you can see all the smoke you can get all the smoke and now you have you have taken you have taken this this you know this content off a pedestal no longer are you scouring the web for a picture of some actress from halfway across the world now it can be people you may have met or people that you are familiar with and and it it creates a level of customization and a, a level of access to this kind of content that never existed before, and it allows people who recognize that there is a market for their for their goods to monetize that. I mean, you look at what social media looks like today. You open yep. up social media, and you are getting pictures of scantily clad men and women for free. Gratis. Mahala. They are giving you the content. And so yep. if you're posting the good stuff, and you're getting thousands of likes... Why shouldn't you get money out of it? Because clearly there's enough people who like it to be willing to pay for it. The,
2: and let's not forget that OnlyFans added the monetization layer. But let's be honest. WhatsApp, as far back as the days of Mixit in South Africa. Does anyone remember Mixit? As far back as then. Dude, nudes in private chats was a thing. It's
0: been a thing for years.
1: DC, last message, please.
0: <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen rule 34 of the internet rule 34
2: if it exists there's porn
0: of it if it exists there is porn of it yeah you think of anything right yep. now dragon ball z pokeball ueo oh. calvin and Hobbs. it's time
1: Subcups. to dit-
0: dit- 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 do. you pick anything <laughs> there's a polo out there of it it's out there any fucking thing there's a polo you're listening to a broadcast right now you're thinking let me take the bottle of high ground i would never say news Ah oh, no that's disgusting. I value my privacy. Chances are you've sent those nudes to someone. It's out there in the ether of internet, digital world. Damn. It's on someone's phone. It's never disappeared. It, almost everyone listening to this broadcast has taken compromising shots of themselves. You can Google Rick Flair's <laughs> handle. And you can find, hey, uh, Ric Flair, you dirty, dirty dog. Ric Woo! Flair was up to no good this week. Out there, steak eating. We saw Ric Flair. Well, listen. There is a market. There's a demand. There's a supply. And let's go back to how OnlyFans actually captured that. It. It's a family old business. OnlyFans is a family-owned business. Sounds like a bad polo. It, it, it is, does, does
2: this family take fact taxi to work? Like, what kind of family? <laughs> Hot <It's>...
0: step mom.
2: <laughs> All the memes, right? All the memes about this All family. All the
0: memes. <laughs> so you've got Guy Stokely, Tim Stokely, Thomas Stokely. These guys should uh, be called Strokely instead of Stokely for what they're doing. <laughs> and they realized there is a market there is rule 34 we can monetize this and let's look at some of the numbers let's look at how big OnlyFans is the gross merchandise value of OnlyFans 2.2 billion dollars last year what Price. billion it gets billion better. billion it's expected to be six billion dollars this year
2: those are some expensive
0: JPEGs. They expect it to be $12.5 billion next year. What? Right? Now, OnlyFans take 20% cut of this. So their revenues are about $400 million. Next year, it'll be over a billion dollars. But where is the fucking money coming from? Show me the money. Hey, over 50% of its revenue comes from paid subscriptions. That's mm-hmm. what you pay for. $5, $3, $10, $6. Shout out Mia Khalifa, I'll see you out there, $10. <laughs> but... That's
1: a good price point.
0: A big, oh, yeah. 30% of it comes from chats. Why? Because people wanna connect with the creator. They wanna say, hey, Laurel, nice pictures, make me feel special. They don't wanna be this person that is one of a crowd. And, the and then element, Laurel says, yes, daddy. <laughs> yes, Daddy.
1: Yes, yes. Daddy.
0: Yes, yeah. Daddy. Listen, they want to feel like they're the only fan in the world. Rihanna, see you out there. But they, wanna make, they, wanna, they want creators to make them feel like they're the only fan in the world, right? And that's another thing about OnlyFans. It's constructed in such a way that you don't see all the other people consuming the content. You that's see. That's what. You see your interface with the creator. That's it. It's one way. That's it. So you feel like this platform has been created almost exclusively for you. You don't hardly view all of this. You, you don't get to see other people's messages, of course. You don't get to see the interactions they're having, but and it's, you it's get to even see trans- your interactions.
1: It's not even transparent how many fans or followers this individual has i mean i'm sure you can access that information but it's unlike other social media where prominently displayed at the top of somebody's pages how many fans or followers they have only fans is different that information is buried away because they want you to feel like you're the only fan there we go only fan only fan and
2: and and this this actually they've weaponized something that's actually sort of been brewing in the in the streaming world for a few years now which is you know, if, if you're on Twitch, if you're on YouTube, there's people game streaming. At some point, they both released the ability, Google did it at first, uh, called a super chat. You can pay a small amount of money to have your normal chat message elevated and kept above the feed for a while. And usually people just do that because they want to support the creator. Or like you said, it's a parasocial relationship where... The creator acknowledges you, reads out your name on stream or something like that, and you you know feel good for a little while. But that's all sort of you can see everybody else on the stream. You can see all the chats going past. To, to make that a, a one-on-one thing is kind of genius from a, a product perspective and also kind of really scary because there are people out there with uh, very poor boundary control and may not actually understand that what they're engaging in is a fantasy. Uh, really, it is. It, it's a well-produced fantasy. Um, and that starts becoming a substitute for, you know, real relationships in your life. So I think just like everything else in tech, there's these huge numbers and, you know, huge growth. And then at some point, people are going to ask, was this actually worth it? Um, did we actually do good <laughs> by building it this way? Um, but I think the jury's still out on that, uh, Rick. I don't know if we we're that far into it yet.
0: A hundred percent, Vince. Where do you draw the line? Right. Tiffany, diamond, sapphire, fox. Rebecca, as characters, aren't the people in real life, right? It's different. There's a separation, and you seal it again. You can relate to it. Being on the internet for years, there's an internet persona, and there's a human behind it. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's often incongruent. But the great thing about OnlyFans is, because it is primarily amateur content creators, they are able... To blur that line a little bit more, you know, because this is a person you have heard of or may have met, suddenly it feels a lot more personal than than consuming, you know, mass-produced, off-the-counter content created by somebody halfway across the world. To come back to my anecdote, this is the hot girl from Shimmy Beach Club a few years ago. You know, so yes, you, you probably, I mean, you know, this is not really her, but she looks the same, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you almost met her like, hey, listen, if things were differently, maybe you could have got her number that night. Well, listen, Rick
0: Flair did get a number that night and she was high maintenance and Ric Flair's not going back to that life. Listen, let's talk about the dysfunctional offshoot that comes from that. Because if you have this obsession, and I'm going to bring Vince McMahon in here, dirty motherfucker, right? I'm going to bring you in. Let's Good. talk about this obsessive, perverse, criminal desire to make fantasies into reality, right? And, and how it actually creates this ecosystem that needs to be regulated, investigated, and constantly monitored. If you look at someone who has a crush on the uh, on on girl next door, right? They go on to 4 chall or 8 chall They go on to, well, Reddit is, is Jackie a Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, you know? And there they are forums that exist where they would say, shop this person, photoshop them, photoshop them nude. Vince, yeah. I know you know. You yeah. see those? Those things happen in the dark parts of the internet. These are unwitting people. People that don't know that their Instagram pictures are going out there, and being photoshopped to become nudes. And guys go out there, and comment on them, share them, sell them. People's lives have been ruled by this. By yep. wanting to take someone who doesn't want to participate in this, non-consensual, and putting them out there into the internet. How big a problem is that? it's
2: it's pretty big um and it's actually it it keeps getting worse like somehow again technology keeps making this worse we're into the era of live capture deep fakes now um there's actually a a great couple of youtube channels uh, where people do very harmless ones where they transpose uh, people's faces from uh, from movies and stuff but but the damage is real like it's it's very difficult unless if you're already online and you sort of are in this world and you understand the concept of anonymity and scale and going viral and what it means. Like if a piece of content latches on, if you just sort of think it's it's you, your five friends, uh, you know, you're posting stuff to this cute little app you found on your phone and you have no idea like who's behind it, who's in that community, what they're interested in. Uh, You can suddenly find, you know, those pictures have gone a lot further than you thought they would. And you're ending up in places where you really shouldn't. And then you start getting all the unwanted attention. Um, You know, and and there's a huge amount of of work going on in in this abuse space. And this is just, we're just talking adults here. I mean, a hot topic right now is that Apple is looking at uh, putting uh, surveillance on iPhones to catch uh, child sexual abuse material. And this is a, you know, current tech topic, but that's, that's just children. We don't even, I'm talking like adults who don't know any better and they put this stuff out there and it's, it's extremely, it, the way it demoralizes you, if you know, a a nude gets out and people start doing stuff to it and then you find out that like everybody kind of knows your name, your face and the most intimate part of yourself, it's, it's utterly devastating. And, you know, people don't fully appreciate just, like, how wrong the internet can go when something goes viral like that. I mean, a a couple of, I think a couple of years ago, we had an instance in South Africa, even, where a, uh, like, a a Krugersdorf soccer mom took a a saucy picture and meant to send it to her husband. She posted it to, like, the school's pickup group instead, and she went viral. Um, And everyone around the country suddenly knew her name and the fact that she took dirty pictures. Can you imagine being that person, seeing your name in the news as, you know, Uh, having been a victim of this no it's completely devastating
0: devastating if you're looking at it and thinking well this is a great opportunity for a side hustle notwithstanding all of the risks that come with being out there on the internet with strangers that are perverse and who don't respect information integrity or your confidentiality and constantly breach the limits of your privacy. you thinking, you know what, let me get real on this. L- let, me, l- let me see if I can make a million bucks like I'm seeing Bellator make. Ric Flair is here to burst that bubble butt right now. There are seven million creators on OnlyFans. Seven million? Mm. Do you know how many make one million dollars a year? Take a guess Vince. Take a guess, Sean.
2: I'm gonna guess it's less than a thousand.
0: Yep. It's here from you, Sean. How many creates creators make a million dollars a year? Jeez.
1: I mean, I would think a lot of them. Yeah. I would think it would be because you are constantly seeing, you know, Uh, An article, you know, ex-person who was a cashier at at Harrods is now a millionaire from OnlyFans in London. I would think it would be thousands, tens of thousands. You're both close. Three hundred. What? Three hundred. That's it. Three
0: hundred. That's it. That is it. That's all there is. The chances of you becoming a CEO of a Fortune 500 company are better than becoming a millionaire on on (laughs) OnlyFans. It's actually true. It is. Wow. Now, $50,000. 16,000 creators make $50,000 out of $7 million. It's it's, it's inconsequential. It's a rounding error. That's it. That is it. That's how small the entire... Base is it is 120 million users, and if you dig deep, no pun intended, if you dig deep, and you really want to hit the spot, you want to hit it from the back. Let's look at what the numbers are like. The top one percent of all OnlyFans accounts makes 33 percent of all earnings. You. The top ten percent. Of sounds all. like corporate south africa it's so, it's corporate africa it's a pyramid scheme it's <laughs> fucking herbal life the top 10 percent of all accounts make 73 percent of earnings three quarters of all the earnings that go into the OnlyFans pool go to the te- top 10 percent of accounts that's it that's how unequal it is and if only fans was a country it would be the most unequal country on earth its GiliCo coefficient is higher than South Africa's.
2: That that, that sounds about right for, for those ratios. Um, th- there's also, I think, a very interesting one of 120 million users to seven million creators. Um, the way this seems like it's panning out, it literally is just people buying commodified access. And if you're already famous, then you can you know build a much bigger distribution network through OnlyFans than anywhere else. But at the end of the day, if you're a complete unknown, um, and you just sort of get onto the platform, it's just like anything else. It, it's like, like YouTube or Twitch. If, if you don't actually aggressively market yourself to people that are interested in your content, they're not going to find you, and they're not going to pay you. Um, and unless if you have a head start, like uh, a lot of uh, the, the top-earning folks do, it's, it's an uphill battle. Um, and... <laughs> It's not just any uphill battle. It's an uphill battle coming possibly at the expense of your privacy, your safety, and maybe even your dignity. Um, That's a hell of a trade.
0: I want to bring in my man, HBK. I'm just a sexy boy. Shop my girls here. The average OnlyFans creator makes $136 for an entire month of work. That's 2,300 South African rands a month on average. Does that sound
1: like a lot of cash let me tell you for free nature boy rick flair i personally dropped that kind of cra- cash at the garage shop on sweets on pies market. on garage pies, pies motherfucker garage on garage pies. pies one one times garage pie one times cream soda the meal yes. of champions oh, whoa whoa whoa
0: whoa this is adult this is adult that's we, a polygraphic culture right there. The
2: FPB's going to come off for us, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said pie. what I said. I said what I said. Garage pie. Garage <laughs> pie. But getting back to the point, and I think Vince made a fantastic point. There's a massive confirmation bias where you're constantly hearing about people who have made an exorbitant amount of money by pursuing this as an alternative income stream. However, the risk associated with this kind of thing is massive and you should acknowledge it and recognize it. And the likelihood of success is very low and you should acknowledge that and recognize that. And OnlyFans is in a state of flux right now. We recognize that. We know that, we don't know where OnlyFans will head to in the next three months, six months, 12 months, two years, three years, five years. But what we do know is that this market has been created. And and even if it's not, only fans as the platform that that satisfies it there will be another but the core principle of the creator economy is what holds true the risk return dynamics will likely hold true and that's the really interesting point
0: now vince sean we're all in the creator economy every fucking day we create it. we're creating we creators we create quality we curate it. we create creating culture right now we market it We put ourselves out there, we keep churning, we keep grinding and we know how difficult it is to create content on a regular basis, create good quality content with longevity, relatable content. Now, you look at the creator economy, you look at how difficult it is to make your content stand out. You look at artists, graphic novel artists, you look at game studios, you look at SoundCloud rappers, you look at people shooting podcasts, writing newsletters, putting themselves out there It's fucking competitive mm-hmm. And the market is dominated by a few small people A few big accounts and, here, and
1: here's the thing If you're making a podcast, it's even harder when you're competing with the bank bros Who are at times the number one podcast in <laughs> South Africa
0: No uno number one, Jay Shetty, I see you boy, there's only one place for one brown boy up in that chart to you boy, we're not interested in your motivational bullshit that you pull from Tumblr, we coming for you boy, <laughs> but you, uh, Sean
2: like, and Rick, you, you make an excellent point about how hard this is to do, and it's not... You can learn how you can learn all the techniques. You can find the time. You can get better at the skills, but what you really need is persistence. You need That's so she much. <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. You need to be in it for the long haul. You need to be doing this basically every day. It's basically a, a career. Um, and I think the other thing that that people are sometimes sort of misinformed about is. It, it looks simple and maybe it, it seems simple to take a few pictures and post them on an app and, and you think that's what these top tier creators are doing. No, no, they're showing up every day. They have teams of people. They are working quite literally their asses off <laughs> to make this content on a regular basis. And that's actually what stands out. So my number one example of this for many, many years, uh, Felix Schellberg, PewDiePie on YouTube, number one rated YouTube channel. Uh, You know, most subscribers, I think for almost a decade, uh, you know, landed deals with Disney, you know, basically defined the platform. Um, Was he the best content creator in the world? (coughs) No. Um, You know, did he have the most engaging stuff? No. What he did was he posted a video a day, every day for seven straight years. Mm. Seven straight years. He single-handedly overwhelmed the algorithm. That's how he got to number one. That's the kind of thing you want to do if you want to be in that top 1% of creators. This isn't just, you know, on the weekend, get drunk, take two photos. This is show up every single day, act like a professional and produce this content on a consistent basis. And that is not easy. Um, It's not even easy if you have all the time to do it. So the the disparity, that inequality that reflects, part of it is, you know, just existing networks. But part of it is people show up and put the grind in every day
0: hundred percent, Vince. You're talking a, 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 a story close to my heart here. Because people see PewDiePie. People see FaZe, you know, uh, streaming, playing fucking Fortnite. They see guys on Twitch making racks. They see women on OnlyFans making racks, showing racks. But you know what? When it comes down to it, you don't see everything that goes behind it. You don't see what goes behind Tom Cruise when he's out there and Mission Impossible. You don't see what is out there with The Rock, when he's fighting at WrestleMania. You don't see what is out there where HBK's sexy boy, Shawn Michaels, is out there delivering super kicks. because it looks like outside. But outside. Stealing the show. Stealing the show. But social media is guilty of being the highlight reel. It shows you what people want you to see. They don't show you how hard it is, Lopalil Telde, to get there. They don't show you the hours. They don't show you the failures. They don't show you the rejections. They don't show you how many times you strike out. They show you the success. And people benchmark their success to people that are already successful. And we've created a culture where everyone believes that you can do things overnight. It's the X-factor pop idol culture. You believe you can go on show. uh, The Shark Tank culture. You can go on in 30 seconds and change your life. And you can pitch for business. And we know, we've all been in investment banking here, we've all been in marketing agencies, we've all been in software development companies here on this broadcast, of the bank bros. And we know, to get business done, it's not a 30 seconds elevator pitch. It's not pitching up in front of three people on the panel and people say yes, no, yes, no, golden buzzer. It's not that ill-still route to success. What you see, has years and years and years of grind and hard work that people aren't exposed to. And if people were, many people would want the life that an investment banker has or a top OnlyFans creator has or a Hollywood star has or a top rapper has. They won't want what those people have. That's
2: the thing. Look, things are harder to make than they are to consume. Um, you know, I've, uh, and I've personally seen this, you know, among people who, uh, who think they can be writers. So this is my specific thing, like, all of us can type into a document. Um, and I meet people actually still on a weekly basis, who one day have a dream of being a published author. And the, it just it never materializes, because it turns out, you need to do more than just type, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, you know, TikTok, OnlyFans. only fans, you got to do more than just hold your, your phone up, you have to do it a lot. You have to actually become a relatable personality. You actually have to find and speak to an audience. You actually have to be interesting. You actually have to bring something unique. And putting all that together is not as simple. Plus, and, and this is the thing we're not even talking about, there's constantly risk of failure. You know, you talk about uh, confirmation bias. Well, there's survivor bias as well. You only see the people that made it out the other side of success. You don't see the 9 out of 10 people that failed. The, the channels that closed, uh, the accounts that closed down, people that just completely flamed out because no matter how hard they pushed, the market just didn't want what they were selling. And that's the other thing about this. You are not guaranteed success just because you think you have what it takes. If the market disagrees, the market disagrees. That's it. You, you can't convince millions of people if they don't want to be convinced of something.
1: And sometimes, even when you convince them, it's not necessarily a sustainable thing. How many examples can we think of of people who go viral, who build massive, who, who create a piece of content that that, that, go, you know, that explodes to make a fantastic song at, and then they're just somebody we used to know. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. The point is that this is a difficult, difficult thing. And when yeah. you transpose how unequal OnlyFans is, it becomes even more difficult. When you transpose the risk associated with putting that type of content out into the world, it becomes more. It becomes unatt- even more unattractive. So weighing in all of these things, it get, it creates a very nuanced perspective on whether this content economy, this content creating is a is as attractive and as viable a side hustle as modern media would make you believe. And
0: everyone believes in the concept of democratizing their content and being independent and beating the big boys. Well, here's something you think about. The world's largest music streaming platforms driven out of two, three big studios right three big record labels hollywood movies financed by three max actually now four movie studios that will finance your movie if you're an independent chance of you ending up at a film festival and getting your break it's going to be fucking difficult right if you don't have the big boys standing behind you similarly with content and creation if you don't have those big brands behind you it's considerably more difficult to build the credibility, the reach, and create high quality content, which is expensive. Creating mm. content is expensive. In as much as people will have you believe, you can pick up your cell phone and shoot it, and, and just upload, and become a star. You probably can, but Vince, Sean, they are the broadcaster, They can tell you for a podcast, you've got to put CapEx. To run a blog, a website, you've got to put CapEx. Yeah. To run a media company, you need a fuckload of CapEx. It's not as simple as flicking the on switch and recording yourself on Instagram live and becoming the next big thing. It takes work, it takes curation, and it takes a lot of cash. And a lot of people don't have this cash without having the backing of established players within the creator economy.
1: hmm and so we talked about OnlyFans and I think let's use OnlyFans as an illustrative example. We mentioned that this was a family owned business. But the honest truth is that that's not entirely correct. It is a family managed business. Because the majority shareholder of OnlyFans, as it stands today on the you know, August 2021, is a is a person with long standing ties to the porn industry. So here's this family who built this business and didn't intend for it to become a a you know an adult content platform and it suddenly became a massive platform and they brought and they basically sold a majority shareholding, 75%, to a person in the porn industry. And then you fast forward to August 2021. And now there's this news coming out about this platform which is forecasted to create to produce six billion dollars worth of revenue and they're now closing off the taps on on the key driver of that revenue mm. pornographic content why because despite the success despite the strong industry knowledge from having a shareholder in it this kind of thing still operates on the fringes of traditional finance only is mm. still struggle to generate adequate uh investor interest at vc level Onlyfans payment providers have put pressure on them to better manage the risks that we've spoken about the risk of content being misappropriated the risk of of uh you know child, uh, child pornography so despite even when you create something so massive and so powerful it's still very very difficult to turn it into a sustainable acceptable long-term business yeah no. And this is
2: where the, the, the platform risk comes in. Uh, Rick, are we going to talk about MasterCard on this episode? Listen,
0: we'll talk about MasterCard, but I can see a big mm-hmm. parallel here between what happened with Tumblr a few years back. Tumblr decided, fuck it, we got a bad polygraphic content. And you know what? They disappeared. They tumbled. And listen, here's the thing.
1: <laughs> we're not talking about the Tumblr you pull out from the cupboard when the visitors come. That's not the Tumblr we're talking about. We're talking about a social media platform that, for a time, was very big, but now is very small. Is that what she said? So <laughs> not to me.
0: So <laughs> we've got the situation where Paul Hub has run into a bit of hot water. Where Mastercard Visa said, "Listen, guys, we're gonna block our customers from using their credit card on Paul Hub to watch fake taxi." We want you to use real taxis. And this comes off the back of all of the extremely serious allegations of child abuse, non-consensual sexual behaviour, everything that's wrong with the world, right? We've seen now the MasterCard fans have come in on fans, and they've said, hold on, guys. We're going to put new rules in place that governs payment processing as it relates to your platform, because it involves adult content kicking in. Take yep. us through that. And it and, and may be a bit of a conspiracy edge to it and it can get dark, but that's what the bank bros podcast is about. Out Where's my tinfoil hat? We're out We're here to talk dead. about it. We are out here. Avril Laville, body double. fake (laughs) boolally
2: or or just you know a, a country that has a problem with sex like america is one of the strangest countries for this stuff because it's like more than half the country still has this sort of 1700s puritanical view of human relations and that kind of starts showing up over and over again um you know it's not surprising to me that this happened that MasterCard decided to change the rules uh, to kind of nail OnlyFans. Fa- uh, only it's w- surprising it took this long, I think, because a lot of this stuff has operated on the fringes for so long. Um, I always kind of thought people would just keep getting away with it. Um, but now it's becoming this thing of, no, the, the, now that MasterCard is folded, Visa is not far behind. Like, you know, yeah, you have to understand that, you know, the reasoning behind this change doesn't go away just because mastercard made a decision there's emv there's the whole payment industry that will look at this and go you know what the risk argument makes sense we're gonna adopt it on our side too and I think when you look at it from the outside, it looks like a conspiracy. It looks like, oh, my God, they're trying to shut this down because they're evil. Um, I think it's a lot more that they don't want to be prosecuted for this stuff. They just flat out don't want the liability. They look at the, the payment processing volumes. They look at the chargeback risk. And they look at the risk of uh, being taken to court over this. And it's like, you know what? It's easier for us to just, you know, unfriend uh, OnlyFans, unfriend Pornhub. Of course, it has an enormous impact on the rest of us because... Adult content is a valid thing to make. If you're doing it consensually and you know you're informed of what you're doing, everyone involved is has agreed to participate.
1: There's nothing wrong with it. But try it's empowering. It it actually it is. Listen, Vince, I'm gonna be honest with you. We've been talking about nudes, but hey, when you get the angle right, <laughs> hey when you get the when you get the lighting right, hey Vince Listen, you can shoot hey. repair from any angle hey you should sure rick flair from any angle size, oh, yes. but, size. It's a great, but it's a great point you know there's very real risk associated with this from a payment processing standpoint but also for a mastercard or a visa it's also what it's it's money laundering it's what it's what you are implicit in financing if yep. you're financing something that is facilitating you know sex trafficking that's faci- that's potentially facilitating terrorism that's faci- potentially mm. facilitating violations of international human rights you have to take the risk very seriously yeah and so it's not for us to say that the risk is extreme in only example because that's not definitely not what we're saying we're just saying that the risk if realized has significant impact it's it's why
2: Craigslist years ago they pulled down their adult hookup section and there was a similar outcry there because for years sex workers have been using that as a place to connect with other people and the key thing about this is that you eventually build up a reputation and it's it's kind of difficult if you don't see the stuff uh, from the inside but um, reputation and you know sort of trustworthy relationships are everything in an unregulated industry if you don't have the protection of the police of the law if you're operating on the fringes you need at the very least a place you can go where people are trustworthy and there's some kind of enforcement happening even if it's not by the police every time you shut down a space where this is uh, accumulated you create risk because the people that were depending on this they don't have another option. Right, they're not going to be like, oh, well, I guess I can't do OnlyFans anymore. I'll go back to investment banking. They don't have the ability to just switch careers. So
0: personal. So personal.
2: <laughs> Come on, Ricky. You're basically teasing the fact that you're having OnlyFans. We, we know the truth. We've done it. I've made it. We
0: 50% off for the rest of the month until 1st of October. I'm going to squeeze the last piece of juice out of this. <laughs> Fuck it. Well, listen. You know what fixes this? Bitcoin. Bitcoin fixes this. But let's yeah. have that debate. Yes yeah. or no? Because... The the one argument against crypto, and we are massive, massive crypto evangelists out here. We see laser, laser eyes. eyes. We see laser eyes shop to Michaels the out there, buying everything, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Cardano, Doge, not Doge, buy good shit. We see uh, my man Wells out there buy penny stocks, buy more crypto, buy a mining rig, buy people machines out of China.
1: Booking up PlayStation.
0: yeah exactly <laughs> we love crypto but we also have to admit there is this shadow that hangs over crypto as a means of currency as it relates to illegal transactions silk road and... buy guns buy kids from bangladesh to come and work in your factory making textiles. to be interns at bank x to buy, to buy, to be illiterate. Don't, don't give away
2: Bankless. our secrets on the podcast.
0: Come production, production. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, look, it. This is a. It's a big, complex topic because, look. On the one hand, crypto basically functions like cash, and if you look at it, you know, offline economy, uh, you know, cash for illegal things. That's always been, you know, the, the trade. So now you've got crypto coming in and they're not quite there yet. They haven't figured out the, the true anonymity uh, aspect of it. But once they figure that out, you have this sort of internet cash that you can use to pay for internet services like, you know, uh, information and content and consulting and knowledge and porn. <laughs> you can actually pay for it with crypto. Um, I think one of the there's two interesting things here. The first being that... You know, the the establishment, um, all the stuff like know your customer, anti-money laundering, all these rules and these laws that come in, you know, the reason you have to upload your ID and your proof of residence when you sign up to a financial service. The, the terrorism does happen, like not a huge amount relative, but it does happen. As we sit Taliban. here, as we sit here, there's Mozambique, there's Boko Haram, there's shit happening. This is real. People do it. Afghanistan just fell to the Taliban. <laughs> like these things happen but they're always going to happen. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where everyone just goes, yep, no, we're done fighting wars. (laughs) Like, that's just not going to happen. So... You have to balance between the ability to trade for things that are perfectly fine um, and, you know, the ability for people to abuse that uh, for their own ends. And it's not an easy road to walk because everyone has a very strong opinion about this. And at the end of the day, you have to keep the system running. But there's another thing which I have to point out. Um, Most of us in South Africa now are lawbreakers. I don't know if you know this. Because illegal... I knew. Of course. Of course we knew.
1: I don't know which law, but I'm (laughs) not going to say... I'm going to wait for you to say. And then then say if
2: you. Here's (laughs) the thing. We, We have this sort of default concept of if it's illegal, it's bad, right? I mean, that's sort of what's reinforced constantly. We talk about bad people doing illegal things, so illegal things are bad. Well, during the lockdown, it was illegal to buy alcohol and cigarettes. For like a few months if you managed to buy a pack of cigarettes you were technically a criminal because you were technically guilty of an offense it's that easy for a government to decide what is and isn't illegal So if your entire argument is, you know, oh, it's illegal, so they shouldn't do it, you should actually be asking, well, is the law ethical? (laughs) Is the law moral? Does the law make sense for what it's trying to achieve? And it's so easy for bureaucrats to legislate because they just look at the risk in numbers. They look at PowerPoint decks, they look at reports, and they go, yep, you know, it it costs us 2%, but it saves us 5%, so we tick the box. That's the extent that they analyze it. They don't think about all the people who, who are losing their income, they're losing their access to safe spaces, that's not really a factor to the type of people making these decisions. So you, t- you talk about, you know, illegal trading in crypto. Yes. But also what's illegal changes very quickly and it's not always fair to make something like this illegal.
0: Ooh, Vince. My kids out of Bangladesh sh- should be illegal and it should be immoral. I like to say that on the podcast. Go <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Curse sign. laughs> We're receiving some very big numbers coming in for, for some sponsorship. And if you want to you want a little kid to come on and, and negotiate agreements on behalf of pancakes. You know what? You'd get a choose.
2: I, you, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to drop this here, and th- th- this is something to think about for the next episode. The, the morality of child actors.
1: Oof. Hey, Prince, but anyway. But, but anyway. The but anyway. Twins.
2: Just saying.
1: But but you're touching on Lindsay Lohan. T- Lindsay Lohan. Parent <laughs> trap. Parent Trap 2. I never watched it. There wasn't one. There should have been. But <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> but, but Vince, you're touching on a fantastic point. But, the, but firstly, can the parents be trapped again? Surely for, for, after the first time, they've, they are wise now. <laughs> if, if,
2: if Home Alone taught us anything and said burglars never learn. So
0: <laughs> Home Alone was unrealistic. Just unrealistic like Taitali because Jack could have fit on the fucking plank. What, so you know what fuck girls
2: what job do the McAllisters work to have like a three story 12 bedroom house and they forget their Only kid fans. at home <laughs> <Only fans.
1: laughs> they own OnlyFans mystery Only solved fans. we've got it but it's a great point Vince that you touched on and, and, and I want to I want to emphasize it that often there is a disconnect between the, the moral direction of society and the legal constructs that define society, and sex work is a fantastic example of it, because the truth is that Gen Z and millennials uh, have a more liberal approach to sexuality and sexual liberation than there's ever been in human history, and these are the groups that are becoming the the dominant economically active, voting adults in our society. It's starting now, and that trend will continue for the next 20 years, and so. Society's view of this kind of thing is still very much, or at least the the legal constructs view of these things Mm -hmm. is still very much rooted in a a doctrine that existed 20-30 years ago where it was ultra-conservative, where this, this was frowned upon. And you saw it with the difficulty that OnlyFans had in raising financing. Because despite being a billion dollar business, despite having massive cash flows, you know there was still this big 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 question mark around the reputational risk of putting your money into a business that is effectively producing pornography and only fans knew it that's why they hardly mentioned this in, mm-hmm. in the investor presentations and they knew it and that's why they've ultimately made the decision to pivot away from this content despite it being so profitable
2: yeah and, and just, I, I got to say, one of the things that you always got to bear in mind, it's much easier to make a law than it is to repeal it uh, in general. Um, and it takes generations for the stuff to work out. I mean, you talk about economically active population. It's, it's the people who, it's not just voting, but spending, you know, the, the people who, where they move, where they live, what they buy, who they buy it from who those people are able to lobby in government all of this fits together to shape the world that we live in and that world is changing you're right there's a a bunch of value shifts sort of happening now Um, and that's also a great topic because we don't yet know whether or not these value shifts are worth it but we do know that it's happening and we do know that the law is always behind on stuff like this so you know to, to look straight to, to the, the legal texts for how to interpret stuff, it's, it's only one factor. You also really have to look at, you know, what are people's rights and, you know, what actually makes sense logically from, you know, a risk-reward perspective when you're doing something like this.
0: You know, if you look at the roaring 20s, not the roaring kitties, because that could be a good <laughs> a good point for OnlyFans. Bring me your roaring kitties. Listen. You look at the roaring 20s, prohibition. What happened when prohibition was enforced? Consumption fell 30% initially, and it spiked in the following years to 70% up mm. in terms of alcohol consumption. People consumed more alcohol when legislation was in place for them not to consume it, right? Yep. They consumed more than they did before. Now, if you look at the top 10 countries in the world for porn, and poor consumption. I'm going to read some of the names out here. Pakistan, <laughs> Egypt, <laughs> Vietnam, Iran, Morocco, India, Saudi Arabia, Turkey. Saudi Arabia? Can, can, can you see the trend here? Right? There is an inextricable link between putting in place mechanisms to repress consumption of adult content and the consumption of adult content in return. Because people can't consume it. So, we've got to have that conversation about putting in laws that have unintended consequences Mm. and have a perverse effect because you have people consuming it, but they're consuming it without protecting the creators, without protecting the people who are driving the sex economy, people who need to be protected the most. You need those safeguards, mechanisms, and protections, but... By not regulating it, you don't have that in place. And you're making the most vulnerable creators in society
1: even more vulnerable. But Vince, Rick, if you cut me, will I not bleed red? At the end of the day, we. Oof! Uh, at the oh, end I'm, of I'm
2: going to bleed cream soda from all the garage <laughs> buyers. That's what I'm, I'm bleeding. I'm going
1: to bleed cholesterol. But, <laughs> but the point is, at the end of the day, there is. We, we exist, we, we are all subject to the limitations created by our biological constructs. And when you create a society that represses and suppresses what is, you know, the implications of instincts that happen biologically and naturally, you push the creators of this kind of content to less than reputable places mm. because that's the only way they can they can get the content out. You push consumers of the content to less than reputable places because that's where they can access it. And all you do is you take something that because you deem it to be immoral, you, you make it even more immoral because you push it to places where it is unregulated. There's no watch. There's no oversight. And it becomes so much more dangerous.
2: And there's actually prohibition to come back to that is a fantastic example of how this actually works. Because, you know, today, South Africa, 2021, alcohol is property. You can legally buy it and sell it. There's some restrictions. And legally speaking, if somebody loots your store, you can claim insurance or you can get the police to bring your alcohol back to you. Um, In the prohibition era, if you had alcohol and somebody beat you up and took it, that was it. You couldn't go to the cops and go, my alcohol was stolen, because then you'd be admitting to having alcohol and there would be a problem. That's a very simple example of how these regulated protections work. If you have a system behind you that you can go to when something goes wrong, it makes things a lot safer for you. And if you don't have that, people know they can abuse you and take advantage of you. And this is nowhere more true than sex work in countries where it's not regulated and there's no protections because who do you turn to when you know you desperately need money this is the one thing you can do well your clients abuse you physically abuse you where where do you go do you go to the cops and tell them what happened you can't because the cops are like well you were being a prostitute that's technically illegal we're not, not not only are we not going to help you we're going to prosecute you for this so now what now you're completely stuck. And to the, to the point of repression, it's actually, it, it's really funny if you just, um, if you think about the fact that people are going to behave the way they want to behave and repression only really happens in places where governments have a view of how the world should work and they try to impose that regardless of how the world actually works. And then you get this conflict between what people actually want to do and uh, what the government says they can and can't do. It's, it, it really is a form of delusion sometimes, believing that you can just dictate how humans should behave through legislation. Dictate. But, but those are great points. <laughs> dictate.
0: How does that dictate? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Listen, in addition to government risk, you also have platform risk. And we've seen this when Vine shut down, which was the predecessor, the granddaddy for Tiktok in many ways, right? A vast number of creators went from thousands, millions of views to virtual unknowns overnight. Short Mendes. I see you out there, Short Michaels. I know you like Shop Mendes hey, from Hey, Mendes. Shawn Mendes, come here, cameo. We see you.
1: Havana, na, na, na.
0: Havana, na, na, na. Even guys like Logan Paul. They were able then to migrate their followings onto YouTube, Instagram, and still remain relevant. I want to talk about that, Vince. I will talk about that, Sean. How do you then diversify your platforms so that you don't run the risk of being deplatformed and losing absolutely everything? And as a content creator, it's a matter of survival. It's essential that even if you are well-known on a single platform, you do everything possible, to diversify your reach, build your audience on multiple channels, and have your engagement strong apart from the platform that yeah. made you big. Right?
2: Yeah, I have so much to say on this topic. I actually try say to limit it. it.
0: <laughs> no, you say it. We've got podcasts. We don't even have a limit here. We've got yeah. unlimited sound budget. We've got unlimited <laughs> everything budget because we're Muro Uno. So.
2: Ultimately, the trade-off you're making with a platform is platforms can help you go further, but they introduce more risk. That's the trade-off. An excellent example of this is Facebook. So in the years gone by, if you had a Facebook page and you were posting every day, interacting with people, some of your posts went viral, you attracted an organic audience and you, you built up this audience of people that wanted your stuff. Great. You were flying high. It was working out. Then Facebook decided they had to make more money from this, so they started doing a thing where they wouldn't show every post you made to everyone that was following you. They would show it to maybe 50%, and I think now it's down to maybe 10% of people will organically see what you're putting out there, which you can get around by boosting your posts. You can pay Facebook for the reach that you invested in building organically. Now you look at that and go, that is bullshit, that is a bad trade, Facebook screwed us over. But... Facebook put the marketplace and the platform in there for you to do this in the first place. They brought millions of people into the same app. So this is like the the deal with the devil type stuff. Yes, you can build a huge following on an existing social platform, but if you don't have a direct relationship with the people in that audience, they will not follow you to another platform. That is it. That is the rule. That is how people are able to migrate from Vine to YouTube to Twitch because they engage with the people directly and the platform just becomes the medium through which that engagement happens. If it's important to you that as a consumer, if it's important that the content is on Facebook and you don't have a personal or parasocial relationship with the person posting it, you are probably not willing to install a whole other app just for them or to go to a whole other website just for them. So that's the key to all of this, is whatever you're putting out there content-wise, yes, the algorithms will boost it, Facebook will distribute it, YouTube will show it in the trending topics, you'll get loads of views. If that's all you rely on, you are not building a durable content system. If YouTube decides to change your algorithm, if Facebook decides to change their monetization, it will affect you. So as a creator, your best safeguard against this is having a relationship with your audience where they trust you and like you enough that they will follow you to other platforms. From there, everything else is tactical. You can do stuff like have your own website, have your own mailing list, uh, use Telegram, use Discord, you know, launch onto new platforms as they reach scale so that you can retain access to your audience if one of them uh, falls through. But never ever trust that the platform will act in your best interests. And I think that's the mistake a lot of people make. Um, I especially see this in YouTube, where people over many years got used to the idea that they would produce videos and YouTube would monetize, so they quit their jobs and they went full-time on YouTube producing content. And eventually YouTube decides, we're going to change our policy. We need these to be uh, advertiser-friendly because the big boys at Procter & Gamble aren't happy with where their ads are showing up, and suddenly you're out of a job. Because you just put too much of that trust in a platform that will only ever act in their own best interests. So, I mean, Vince, oh, sorry, Rick, <laughs> Sean, that's it. That you is Vince. what I have to say. I know. You, Vince. I'll edit that out. It's fine.
0: i Rick. No, what we're keeping it. We don't edit. This is one shoot. <laughs> it's the same way I do my OnlyFans. I it out and I do one shoot. Many shoots. Many shots. Running shots. Whoa.
1: <laughs> Back bros and And that's why that's why that's why the bank bros podcast is now available on apple it's not only available on spotify anymore wow we are diversifying wow tim cook
0: tim cook tim cook tim cook tim Tim is up in the kitchen (laughs) and it's it's data heat in the kitchen could eat in the kitchen, pot on the stove. On the stove. Shout Dope out to the dog. <laughs> Dope getting sold. Listen, go back to it. It's the data. You old data. The data. It's the is data. Here. It's the data. Vince, we talk about all the time running a media company. It's the data. Understanding your audience, understanding how to curate content specific for your age groups, your demographics, your locations, your early level, your gender split. Mm -hmm. We understand that. It's so, so powerful. And if you don't have access to that, you're out there creating content blind. You don't know whether most of your audience likes to see Um. Vince McMahon shower videos. (laughs) Oh God. You don't know whether they like to see Vince McMahon in public. You don't know whether they want to see Vince McMahon driving a fake taxi driving a real taxi, driving uber black. You don't know. Because you're operating in a silo of content creation. And you can't. Because the game is far too competitive. And if you don't understand your audience, and you don't understand what people want, and you can't actually run the numbers on developing your brand, you will trouble. And not every platform allows you those analytics. Yeah. You can't get that.
1: Fence. and if never you get don't... To- b- If you don't build your brand, you've got no chance. No chance in hell.
2: (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. You don't. Uh, You know, because here's the best way to think about it, what these platforms are doing. They're basically leasing access to your own audience to you, a lease that they can revoke at any time. You don't own that. You don't have that. You can't take it with you. They will give you access to an audience, and that's it. Really, you're giving them the content for them to build an audience for you. And they will tell you what they want to tell you about that audience to get you to produce more and better content, but that's it. You don't actually have the power to make those decisions if you don't have the information to make them with.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Information. Only fans. Dropping nudes. Big booty hols. All I have to say about this is... special until the end of October. (laughs) (laughs) Like and subscribe. (laughs) Check out my other videos. If you get vaxxed and you waxed, you hit a brick flare. Make sure his credit card is maxed. Oh my God.
2: Yeah, the the game just changed. 18 to 35s are out there getting shots and getting stuck.
1: Woo! Woo!
0: Bag bros! episode. (laughs) Episode! Episode! <laughs> episode! Five. Five! This is what happens when you drink it from a bottle at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I'm hungry, I want a
1: pie. Garage
2: pie. <laughs> I'm, gonna fucking, I'm gonna go get a pie right now. That's what's gonna happen.
0: You get a pie right love it's just make sure. What spirit of tonight, convo, it's not the wrong kind of pie. Ooh. Back bros <laughs> episode five. Take us back to number one we out here killing it. So Michaels! Vince McMahon! We're
1: done. We're out.
2: We're done. <laughs>